0: Are you ready to combine your passion for business and your love for God through simple, practical and profitable business practices? Do you want to have an eternal impact on the culture and community around you
1: through your business? Now is the time to partner with God, profit with purpose and build a Kingdom Class Company. Welcome to Christ in Business, where we'll explore the stories, strategies, successes and failures of those doing the ministry of Christ in Business. He's your kingdom business coach, David Robertson.
2: Hey guys, welcome back to Christ in Business. This is episode 31. And first of all, I want to say that I'm excited about our guest today, Brian Kinney. We're going to be talking about chief prophetic officers and what that means in your business, who that plays that role, and also why in the world God would even have you bring on a chief prophetic officer. So we're going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about influence. We're going to be talking about bringing kingdom into business. We're going to be talking about bringing business into kingdom, into church, and a whole bunch of different things. So I can't wait to share this conversation that I had with Brian with you in this week's episode. But I also want to give you a little bit of an update for maybe you've noticed a couple weeks now that the podcast seems to be going every other week. And that is simply because I've had some logistical things come up. Number one, we just finished moving again, third time in 12 months. Whew, I'm tired. Second time we've moved in the last... 4 months and then we moved one time before we have one more move left to go explaining all of that but basically last September we had my son who was born early a little bit premature and then we just we needed to paint the house and get it ready so we moved into a family's condo that was back last September even before this podcast was around and then in January and February we were preparing to move to Texas and we're staying with my mother-in-law while our house is being built in Odessa, Texas. So we're, we're living in Midland. And then my mother-in-law also decides that they're going to move as well. So we just finished that third move. The next move will be when our house is finished in September or October, somewhere in that time frame. So I am looking forward to having that house, having that house to our for my family for ourselves looking forward to that being done and being done with moving for a while four moves with two kids under 5 years old in 12 months is is not fun <laughs> although god has been using it to kind of strip away some some of the comfort and strip away some of the things that that i have relied on in my life and relied on just uh, personally. And it's actually, I think it's, it's actually becoming, it will we'll finish out a good thing that we had all those moves in one year, although it's not fun going through it, but I can see the positive aspect to it. So we just finished moving. In addition to that, I'm taking my son who just turned 12 yesterday, June 2nd, as I'm recording this, he turned 12 months old, not 12 years old. But I'm taking him every other week. I'm taking him to Dallas for a medical treatment and for, yeah, basically just a, a medical treatment. So that mixed with the moving has kind of logistically gotten in the way of scheduling these interviews and logistically gotten in the way of finding time to record in addition to running my business and stuff like that. So, however, I do have made some Contacts with uh, Casey Brewer of Kingdom at Work, and we'll be having some of people that he's interacted with have them on the podcast. Try to try to introduce them to Christ in business and have them on the podcast. I have a list of people kind of in the backlogs of people that we're scheduling out and getting them on the podcast. So that being said, things are moving forward with Christ in Business. I've also talked to Vikas and another friend of mine, Lawrence, about what this the Christ in Business Network or what God is doing on a global scale, maybe putting some feet on that and putting some hands on that and putting kind of a a structure, a community around that as well. In addition, it goes way beyond just creating a Facebook group. So we're talking about that. Lots of stuff going on. However, it just logistically... I've perhaps failed to plan exactly or didn't realize how much of my time would be taken by driving to Dallas every a couple of weeks and then moving and stuff like that. So I apologize for that. But Brian Kinney, he's the guest on today's podcast. And the reason I brought him up a few episodes back, I talked about how to hear God's voice in your business. And one of the things that I mentioned is keeping other people around you that are known for hearing the voice of God and who have a gift of hearing that voice and having the gift of prophecy and the gift of words of knowledge and having those people around you in your midst when you're making business decisions, and one of the best ways to do that is having a chief prophetic officer. This is someone who is gifted and experienced in hearing God's voice through certain things. It could be an intercessor. It could be someone you know. Anyway, we get into all that. But the very first place I learned this, this heard this term from chief prophetic officer was Brian Kinney. Um, he showed up... At Early on in a group where we were – it was a group in our church called Anointed for Business, and he showed up in that group and kind of shared this idea. I forget if it was during the group or if it was a little bit after, after the group, one of the side conversations. But I forget where specifically I heard this for the very first time, but it was from him that I heard it. And I just wanted to share this. So I kind of reached out to him, shot him a message on Facebook, said, hey, would you mind coming on the podcast and sharing a little bit about this? So I didn't, specifically, I didn't have a big outline. I did originally, but I felt... God was saying, hey, I want you to ditch the outline. And so I just we just opened up with the conversations, very low-key, kind of low energy, but definitely lots of gold nuggets here. So without further ado, I want to share this conversation that I had with Brian Kinney. Hey, Brian, welcome to Christ in Business. Hey, hey, good to see you and good to be with you, David. Awesome. Well, just wanted to give the listeners here a little bit of introduction about where I first met you. I first met you... Back in what was it, 2012, I think it was, when I did Anointed for Business, kind of started a, up a group with a couple of friends. And basically, we were just kind of exploring what it meant to be in business as a ministry, to be in business to glorify God. And you were there in those first meetings and kind of got to know you a little bit. And just over time, we kind of bumped into each other here and there. But I remember one of the things first on that you talked about was the importance of having a Chief Prophetic Officer, or CPO, as you called it. So that's kind of what we're going to be talking about. But before we get into that, go ahead and tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and how you got to be doing it.
0: Yeah, great. Thank you.
2: You, you know, I, I, everyone has their individual and, and unique
0: journey, and, and uh, I think that mine fits into that category as well. I kind of grew up thinking that athletics was going to be my you know, my ticket or my, my career, and uh, that didn't necessarily turn out uh, like I thought. It was some great experiences. But I got into business and found success pretty early on, quite frankly. And so it was awesome. Uh, it was a great experience. Uh, I learned to listen a lot. And uh, you know, I've learned that we come across being a lot smarter than we are or knowledgeable than we are when we listen. And so I practiced that uh, a lot. But over time, and, and as Favor started to grow in the workplace, Favor equally started growing in in church and the kingdom and meeting people and just finding favor and in that realm as well. And so I had these two worlds that I lived in, if you will. And so it was a challenge because I didn't know how those two worlds intersected and, and all that. And so a long, long story, years and years, I eventually got to a point where I was finding favor in one world and I would pursue business and then I would get a Holy Spirit tap on the shoulder and I would be invited to come speak at a conference or be involved at, at an event that was kingdom based, not talking about business, talking about kingdom. And then I would say, oh no, I, Lord, I, I guess I heard you wrong. I, I better focus back on kingdom. I, I heard you wrong. And then I would start focusing on, on kingdom and doing some of these events. And then I'd get a tap on the shoulder and say, hey, we've got the senior vice president role and, you know, we'd like to talk to you about it, et cetera. So I was conflicted. And it just came a point in my life where I said, you know, Lord, I just don't know which path to choose. And I was, the Holy Spirit reminded me and said, what does my word say about such things? And I said, I don't know. And he says, what does it say when you keep seek my kingdom first? And I said, well, the word says that all things will be added. And he says, what if my heart for you was to enjoy both? And. Instantly, within, I don't remember, days or weeks, I started getting these prophetic words that, from external people that would say, hey, I see you standing on a railroad track and your feet are straddling the track, one foot on each side of the track. And every time you try to pick up one foot and put it on the uh, other side of the track, you tip over. And so we did whatever you're doing, you need to be in multiple worlds, multiple sides of the track at the same time. And it just blew me away. And so I started a path that made a conscious effort to be in both those worlds. And and so that that's kind of my personal, how I got to where I'm at. And then there's just a plethora of examples and experiences that have uh, occurred since
2: then. Awesome, awesome. So give us some examples of some of the businesses that you've been in, and a little bit about what what you're doing now. Yeah,
0: so I've, I've spent probably almost 20 years in IT and, and video and, and collaboration. We owned, a uh, with my father-in-law and brother-in-law and some others, we owned a, a company that took the world of video conferencing. This is back in the late 90s. Took the world of video conferencing and made it this experience that we called telepresence, which is this, this concept that you could be sitting at a conference table in New York. Your associates would be sitting at a conference table in London and essentially each group of people were sitting at half the conference table, pushed up against their respective walls. But that wall isn't a wall, it's a video screen. And so when the wall turns on in New York, and then the reciprocal wall turns on in London, you feel as if you're sitting right across the table from somebody when you're really not. And so there's no goggles, the cameras are hidden, and the microphones are hidden. So there's no 3D goggles Mm -hmm. or, or, or anything. So, we invented that concept literally, and then we sold licenses to Cisco and Polycom, and eventually sold the entire company to Polycom, which was, uh, you know, cascaded into multiple roles over the years. Mm-hmm. Probably lasted 16, 17, 17 years or so. In the last five or six years, I've actually transitioned out of that, uh, kind of did some consulting in between, but been spending my time now in, in security, specifically national security. Okay. Working, taking some of those IT concepts, applying them into the you know world of national security, into physical buildings, events, uh, and a wide variety of verticals. Even transitioning or, or adding to that physical security in the form of executive protection. So we have a group of people that we provide executive protection services to. You know, a lot of people in ministry, a lot of you know, a lot of events and people that you and your listeners would recognize. Uh, so i've been in security the last 5 years or so uh,
2: and just loving it
0: really really enjoying it
2: awesome awesome sounds good so what was your introduction to a kingdom focused lifestyle or a, a supernatural lifestyle how did that come up in in your life and where did that come from
0: yeah you know i don't think it was a moment it was kind of the the proverbial frog in the in the water then the water <laughs> just slowly gets warmed up yeah but there are certainly individuals that, you know, just opened up various elements uh, of that experience along the way probably the individual that was speaking into my life. And there are a lot of them and I hate to mention one without the others, but, but the one that spoke into my life that just helped me not focus on business. And this sounds weird, but not focused on kingdom, but just focus on me and how I fit into those things
1: mm-hmm.
0: was a, a gentleman named Aaron Evans. And Aaron has served as kind of the right hand person to John Paul Jackson at Streams Ministry, down also at, oh, I can't think down in Charlotte. I never get the, um, I can't think of the other ministry, but, um, but, but he's been involved in world leader, with world leaders, world changers. And he just really helped me understand how to operate in both those realms. And, and he has a ministry called the Emerging Daniel Company. And it's really focused on, and honoring and blessing those that are the emerging Daniels. And so he became a spiritual father to me in the sense that he brought me along and, and actually gave me my first opportunity to speak at a conference that he was doing with Bobby Connor. And so I found myself sitting there with Aaron Evans, Bobby Connor, and me. And I thought, well, what am I doing here? <laughs> you know, uh, it was up in Saginaw, Michigan. And and it was the first time I shared you know this this various elements of how kingdom and business and that mindset of favor and when we have favor in business how does that work and how do we blend the two together and just a lot of topics and and that started birthing this idea that, that you alluded to at the beginning and that's that chief prophetic officer like how there's just so much to unveil so typically we think of business needing more kingdom which is true mm-hmm and henceforth what birthed the chief prophetic officer. And we'll, we'll talk more about that if you want. Yeah. But equally as much, I think that that works the reciprocal and that we have, I, I see a lot of ministries that are managing the business of the ministry, but mm-hmm. don't really have the type of business sense that they, and when I say they're not, and I say they're ignorant, but they don't have that business expertise or experience to properly manage the, you know, the the ministry. And so you yeah. have pastors who are called to be this and that are trying to raise money, raise funds, et cetera, et cetera. And that's not their calling. So for me, it really started with the chief prophetic officer and ensuring that, hey, listen, God wants to speak into our business, into your business, and he wants to speak into the strategy mm-hmm. of what we're doing. And it just unveiled this big piece. So the long way around the mountain, it was Aaron Evans that just really helped me understand that, hey, don't be afraid to go with what God's giving you and how he's showing you
2: these pictures and these pieces of how kingdom and business intersect. Yeah, yeah. I remember the first time that I, that I had kind of accidentally stumbled across partnering with God in business. And on this podcast, we talk about what it means to partner with God and then profit with purpose and ultimately go beyond world class to build a kingdom class company. But I remember the very first time I accidentally stumbled across partnering with God, and that was, I was reading in John 15, where it says that we're Jesus' friends, where he calls us friends. And he says, the difference between a friend and a servant is that we know the master's business. And at that time, right as I was reading that, I, I read it hundreds of times before, but never thought about it this way until... Because at the time, God had called me back into business after I would started business, fell on my face, and God kept saying, I want you to go back to business. I said, no, I've been there, done that before. I don't want to do it anymore. And he said, no, you you tried going business for yourself at that time. At this time, I want you to go in business to glorify me and learn what that means. And so I was reading that at the same time as this transition was happening, and... Ended up taking out a whiteboard and saying, "All right, God, this is your business. You tell me what to do. You tell me what what kind of strategic plan I should have. What kind of?" So I made a column, three columns for year one, two, and three, and asked God, "What what does each year look like?" And I remember distinctly, year three looked nothing like what I was doing at the time. I was doing basically fixing furnaces and installing furnaces, and year three looked nothing like that. It, it, talked about creating jobs on, a, on and being involved with businesses all over the world and stuff like that. And I said, well, okay, well, we'll just set that aside. I'll just need to focus on this. And year two has said in the, a list of things was rest, ministry for the first time, children, family, and honor. And that last one kind of stood out at me. It was like a children, family, and honor. First of all, what this what is children doing in, in my business plan? <laughs> but second of all, my wife and I had been trying mm-hmm. to have kids for seven years and been told six years at the time and been told, no, it's not going to happen by multiple doctors and multiple second opinions. And so it was like, well, maybe I'll adopt, but anyway, I'll just focus right now on what I'm doing. And then the first year was typical investment, friendship and networking and and learning, becoming a student of of the industry I was in and typical what you'd find of a first year business. But at some point right around the, the transition between year one and two, I got frustrated and I picked up my marker and I threw it at the board and I said, this is stupid. I'm doing all this and putting up with all this. I couldn't make payroll that week. And I'm doing all this for some stupid ideas that I thought I heard God say on, on a board. And I was, I said, no, I'm tired of this. And then my wife called and I was in the, the basement of our house and in my office at the time. And my wife called and said, come upstairs. And I came went upstairs and, um, she was holding a pregnancy test that said that she was pregnant at the time. And it was right, smack dab in the middle of the transition from year one to year two and obviously at that point I was overjoyed but then a few minutes later I was like wait a minute this is exactly what I was just saying I was tired of it was came at the perfect time just as an encouragement yes you heard me right so I kept in that business and that second year and then going into the third year that's where I was introduced to biblical entrepreneurship and in fact you had a key role in sending me to Orlando to be at that event and it was very much a I was sitting around the table with economists and politicians and and business owners, MBAs all around the world, seven different countries represented, talking about how to glorify God through business and how to transform culture through the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And it was very much kind of, I guess, similar moment to what you had said. Is uh, kind of sat there looking around, who you're with, and saying, Well, what's going on here? How am I here?" But that was the first time I realized that in Ephesians one, I think, in verse four. I've mentioned it here before, where. Where it says the Father blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And that was the first time I realized that I had pulled down one of those spiritual blessings and pulled down them and used them in earthly application or in a in a business application sense. And and from that point on I, I started taking note of that as like, what are those things that God has given us from the spiritual side, those spiritual blessings that He's given us? And how can we pull those in in down to earth and use them And to uh, profit with a purpose, use them to transform culture and to create, to love people and to grow a business that is profitable and we can serve other ministries. But uh, at the same time, how can we use the culture of our own businesses to transform lives than that? so. And that's what I really look at the chief prophetic officer as is taking one of those gifts that are typically looked at as as spiritual, or typically looked at as let's save this for the church and let's save this for that, and hmm. and actually pulling it in and saying no, this is this is a lifestyle. It's a part of my identity. is who I am. How can we use this prophetic gift in business? And that's where I think the chief prophetic officer. That's where that comes into place. So, tell me a little bit about. What that the first thought or that first conversation with you or your business partners or however about what a chief prophetic officer would look like? So
0: we were a privately held company. We were Christians, right? So we had a godly intention, mm-hmm. but we were looking for that, that, that strategy on how to incorporate that more. And one of the individuals that was working at our company who was our purchasing, I think he was a purchasing manager, um, doing a fine job, doing his work. And but but he was a pastor and and so we knew him, um, and that and he had a a prophetic gifting. And so we said, you know, next time we have, uh, you know, so we said, you know, next time we have an opportunity, we should we should try to bring him into our discussion, our management meeting, Hmm. and let him be aware of what we're doing. His name was Barry. And, and just see if he would pray and just intercede with the, the topics that uh, about the topics that we were discussing. And so in a tangible sense, it became a scenario, David, where when we had an opportunity to partner with a, with a company or, or there was a new customer opportunity, or there was a trade show that we were invited or considering attending, we would ask him to pray and say, should, is this something we should do? And I don't remember the specifics because this is many years ago, but there were moments where we would have engaged with a customer, or we were negotiating with a customer, and we thought, okay, do we, you know, the whole value thing? Do do we give up margin and lose margin, but you know, but in order to get the business, but are we devaluing our value to them? You know, mm-hmm. are we we're we just selling it off just just for the sake of a transaction, and so it just gave us a lot of comfort, a lot of understanding. It was confusing sometimes because we thought, well, business practice is to do this, this, and that. But the prophetic word was saying, no, I just feel like you guys, we should, uh, you guys should not offer more discounting and you should just let this play out. Conventional wisdom says, uh, not a good move, you know, not a good move. But when we would do that, we would see the tangible fruit of why the Lord was saying such And, and, and it just changed our business. And eventually you know, our business, we had a a, a real large capital event, and and sold our business. It's a lot of strategy and a lot of insight that we were giving during that, you know, negotiation of equity and customers and all those Mm -hmm. things associated with an acquisition. So so yeah, that's how it played out. It was right, it was right in our own world. And, um, you know, it just became really obvious to us that that was the resource that God had put in our midst, and that we needed a, Elevate that role to a chief prophetic officer. And, and uh, it was great for our business. For me personally, it launched this whole concept. And I said, well, if there's a chief prophetic officer that takes the prophetic and there's a role in our business, you know, like what's that, you know, what's that look like in other worlds? And I'll just give you a quick parallel. So I, I started on this track of looking at the leadership structure of, of the kingdom and the leadership structure of business. And I said, well, you know, we have the fivefold Ephesians, you know, we have the fivefold. And so we have the evangelists in the kingdom and they're out there promoting the value, promoting the awareness of the kingdom of God. So who or what does that role look like in business? Well, that's a chief marketing officer Mm -hmm. who's generating leads in the business term, generating awareness, activity, value propositions, lead generation, in a tangible sense, and that's you know that's that's how that is, and so there's there's parallel roles in the church, uh, in the kingdom. You know, we have a um, we have a pastor, right? And and pastor does what? Takes care of the resources and the flock and the people that are in and amongst that body. Well, in business, we call that a chief operating officer who ensures that we have insurance, we have a building, we have an infrastructure and a support mechanism that supports the resources, the assets, the people. Of the business. And so there's just this, this continued parallelism. And I kind of you know started doing that. And so then when I was invited to go speak in, in the kingdom and did some conferences with John Paul Jackson and Streams Ministry, I would talk about these things and I would talk about as much business as I would. And what and the beauty of that, what would happen is that afterwards people would come up and say, Hey, I'm a small business owner, or I work in a business, or I'm in senior management, and I've never heard that kind of parallelism before. And so what I found is that there were a lot of, this is a little more dramatic term, but there were a lot of sleeper agents out there that were sitting there in a kingdom setting, hearing the word of God but lived in business. Mm-hmm. They, they spent five days a week, and we know this to be true, but they were looking for that difference. They were looking for that connection yep. and how to incorporate that. So it was it was just a, a, an awesome time. I mean, it continues today. It's not that a moment's over. It continues today,
2: but it started with the Chief Prophetic Officer. Mm-hmm. Neat. The first time I was aware that when I was launching the podcast, I just made a post about the podcast, like, hey, in a couple of weeks, I'm going to be launching. And the response I got to that included several private messages asking, hey, would you come speak? I'm like, the content isn't even out yet. The The podcast, you don't even know what, what I'm talking about yet, except that it's Christ in business. And it, it was absolutely clear to me that there are hundreds and thousands, and, and there's just a, a lot of, a good portion of Christ's body that is in business that are looking for, how do I contextualize the gospel? How do I contextualize the kingdom into business? And what, is, what does that look like practically? How does that work um, play itself out? Which is exactly why I started the podcast to, to begin with. Is People would scratch their head when I talk about kingdom business and they'd say, you know, that sounds all good, but w- what does it actually mean? So the entire purpose is to bring people like yourself on there who have, have the practical examples and who are currently walking it out and have some practical stories and some supernatural stories to share to, to kind of bring this. To a, something that they could take in their in their own business. Do you have any interesting stories where Barry or anybody who has served as your CPO has saved a deal, or just kind of anything that popped out where he said, "Hey, you should do this," and it was counter 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 seemed counterproductive, but it actually ended up being one hundred percent God's God's insight. I, I do,
0: although although it's a little different. It was okay. it's kind of the reciprocal. It's the word came. And we didn't listen to it and it didn't go so well, oh, okay. but it still had this, but it's still yeah. the same impact, I think, the intent of your question. And so we were, and I want to honor some of the people, you know, without going into great detail, but, but we were in the, in the middle of, of, um, I was working at a business and there was this large transaction that was coming and it was, it was a merger kind of scenario. Okay, And so in our world, we had, we had multiple companies. You know, we had a parent company and we had subsidiaries. And so the merger opportunity was with the parent company, but they weren't aware of all of the other subsidiaries and they weren't really it wasn't on the radar screen. Mm-hmm. And so the prophetic word was, hey, just stick to what they're interested in. Don't unveil too much. Mm-hmm. And so in the course of talking and meeting with the, with the folks and, and all and having the discussions, you know, it kind of slipped that, oh, yeah, well, we've got this other technology and blah, 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 that I, I, think, I think some of the associates around me kind of got, what's the word I want to use, kind, kind of got a little anxious thinking, okay, we've got to load up on our value mm-hmm. so that we get the best valuation for the transaction and the merger from an equity perspective. And so I think they just started talking about all these other things we were doing to just show value in our overall. And and the other side of the table said, oh, well, tell us more about that. (laughs) And then, so then, you know, then we were kind of caught and we started unveiling it. And as it turned out, it was a it was a piece of technology that we were just starting to use in this other application that wasn't related to this merger. And at the end of the day, when we're about ready to consummate this merger, which was tens and tens of millions of dollars, it was a pretty good sized merger. They said, "You know what? In fact, we we've been thinking, and in our, we're not going to close unless you give us that thing you were talking about. You know, mm. uh, a month ago." Mm. And so our challenge was, hey, do we want to close this $60 million deal uh, or whatever the number was and give up the potential of that other thing? Mm-hmm. And, and so the answer is we did. And th- what, what it meant was this this other application that was just budding, it died because we didn't own the technology anymore, right? We were selling it off. And, and so that thing died on the vine. Only to find out that who we transacted with took that technology and within six months, they just deep-sixed it and they just never used it and buried it. Hmm. And so as, at the end of the day, it had, love, uh, had little value. And so it, it was kind of a reciprocal. We were told to kind of stick to where we were at and um, you know we, we kind of blinked when we shouldn't have. And it didn't turn out very well because I don't know what, what favor or what future might have been part of that. That piece of technology in the future, mm-hmm. and so we kind of robbed ourselves, I think, in a, in a way. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, that was that was one where we should have
2: listened. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. What is one thing that you'd tell someone who's kind of listening to this and is thinking about, like, hey, this this sounds like something that I could use in my company, or this sounds like a person that that I need to find in my company? What are the first steps or first kind of practical things that you would end up suggesting to an owner or an entrepreneur who's right there and saying, I, you know what, I've never, never thought about bringing these spiritual blessings into, into my business or never thought about bringing this side of, side of my faith into the business. What are some first, first good steps that you'd suggest? Yeah, that's,
0: that's a great question. I don't know if I have a template, but some, I know how it played out for us. The first thing I guess would be how it played out for us may not be exactly how it played out for somebody else and what yeah. I mean is that person was in our midst at that time and that may be true in, in your business but equally you may need to position yourself to be intentional to go find that person or ask the Lord to bring that person into your midst. Mm-hmm. This is the second thing and, and, and kind of um, I think I'm, I'm going to try to evolve my comments or build on my comments at the end of the day, I think a super important thing is, is recognizing why the Lord would bless what we're doing in in a prophetic nature. Like, like why would God want to be involved prophetically in the business? And is it to generate revenue? Sure. There's, that's okay. I mean, there's this perspective in some, some circles that says companies that earn a lot of money is an evil is a bad thing and that we sh- as business owners we should we should practice martyrism Yeah. And that we should, you know, and that does not mean we should not be gen- generous because we should, but it's okay to generate yeah. that. But 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 I think we have to be in tune with the Lord and, and for me and, and what I would advise is to say the reason for raising that revenue in your business to earn more margin to increase your capital resources isn't for the sake of the capital. And for me, I believe it's for the sake of influence.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I would advise someone to go to the front, go to the Lord and find out where and how he wants you to influence the circumstances around you. Because if you know why and if you know your purpose of for influence or purpose of influence, then it will be an easy thing to incorporate the prophetic in your business and that's almost a statement to someone who's teetering i mean your question was how do you incorporate someone who wants the prophetic but i think there's probably more people out there that are not sure they want the prophetic mm, and yeah. so to them i would say hey understand understand the value of why you need higher revenues and higher margins is so that you can have influence mm-hmm. And if you understand your reason for influence, and I know I'm repeating myself, but I think it's really important. If you understand your reason for influence, then hearing from the Lord in in a prophetic nature inside your business will be a natural consequence of fulfilling that influence that you're called to have. Mm -hmm. And so I I would just tell people to position themselves in that manner. And the details of the who, the when, and the how Will manifest themselves if you're if you're if you're positioned right with the Lord. Yeah, yeah. And and then the other piece of that is that when the Lord speaks, <laughs> be ready to listen. What we had to do and what we did, David, is that for us, this this prophetic end of this CPO wasn't part of the senior management staff. But we learned, and my advice to others that as this would get implemented in your business, no matter whether this person is external, a manager. If they're sitting in your board meeting or your executive management meeting, you need to treat them as an equal. Mm-hmm. Even though their traditional business title may not warrant it, the prophetic word of the Lord does warrant it. Yeah. And so treat them like an equal mm-hmm. and let the gravity of what they're saying carry that weight in your meeting.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah, Really important. Yeah. If, if, if you're going to bring someone in with that title, then their job is to hear from God and, and Truthfully, God should be the most senior partner in the at, at the table, <laughs> yeah. chairman of the board. You know, yes. for sure. So, I I agree with that. I love what you said. First, going personally, going to God, and and seeking out what what his what his reason or what his purpose for your business is. Obviously, the chief prophetic officer isn't someone you outsource praying to. It isn't someone you outsource the relationship that you have with God. But it is someone that that who specifically is spending their time in addition to you and your own relationship, spending their time seeking God specifically on behalf of your business, on behalf of what you're yeah. what you're doing in your company. And David, you pay them for it.
0: I mean, you, they're, they're an employee or a consultant or contractor. You pay them. Mm-hmm. They're part of your team. Yeah. And it's it's not saying it's not a check the box. Okay, we got someone praying for us. Okay, whatever we end up deciding, we're good. No. You partner with that CPO.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. You partner. And just like you would take the lead from a chief marketing officer or, or executive vice president of sales, top line revenue. They're the senior top line revenue person. The CPO is the senior prophetic person. Yeah. Um, let them be who they are and let that let that weigh in on, on your business. Mm-hmm super important, but I, but the influence thing, I just couldn't say that much. It's about influence. Yeah. It's just truly, you go to any city in America or across the globe, there will be a family or two that you'll say, wow, that family is involved in, you know, this city, you know, you go up to, and again, I may be dating, you know, since it's been a while, since I've lived in Ohio. Um, But you go to Columbus, there's the learner family, right? I think Mm -hmm. that they own some sports teams up there and whatever, you come to Dayton. There's the Kettering family. You know, there's some patriarchs that are in every city. You go to Detroit. It's the Illich family, et cetera, et cetera. And, what, and so, what is their role in that? Those geographies? Yeah, they make you know hundreds of millions or billions of dollars, and that's fine. But they're influencers. Mm-hmm. It's influence. Yeah. You know, people ask me, Brian, do you want wealth or do you want influence? And I think I want influence. Yeah. I want influence because wealth is a byproduct of influence it's not the other way around, yeah
2: yeah exactly that's why you have to have your heart with the Lord on influence mm-hmm. yep, yeah, exactly finding out what what God wants to use you for and who God wants to use you to influence, whether it be your employees, your clients, your vendors your your own families to start with, and then then how God wants to multiply and how God wants to promote that influence if if when you're trustworthy and when you have His heart, when you know His heart for your business and you know His heart for, for the city or for whatever community you live in around you, that's the first step is is partnering with Him to know His heart. Um, that way that you can profit with purpose and ultimately, like I said, continue to build a company that goes beyond world standards and bring kingdom standards into it so that everything you do in your business looks and sounds and has a fingerprint of God on it. and um, so, exactly. so you're able to to influence the world around you, just the way he wants to. He's he's always looking to influence and bring people closer to him. He has children that are, that are yet to be adopted and brought into his family. And and however you can do that, create a create an atmosphere, create a culture, create a community that yeah, for sure that hosts. So, so his the, you know
0: the world the world will see that and think,
2: they will give
0: you influence or give you place in their life, mm-hmm. but they'll generally the world will do that because they're like, well, he's worth a bill. He's worth $500 million. He must know something. I'll listen to him. Mm-hmm. Right. That's the, that's the cognitive thinking yeah. that the world will have. And that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. They, however, they get there, but the person who's receiving the influence, right. Mm-hmm their motivation isn't i want to get i want to get 500 million dollars so that i can influence if it is that's a demonic approach that's a love of money yeah and the bible speaks against that but if you have the motivation to know who you're called to be and back to that influence then the money is just a is a is a is a bridge mm-hmm. to it's a road to get you to where you can be in that position of influence yeah. so it's it's an awesome thing it's an awesome picture when you understand that but you achieve that by melding those two worlds together.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. And I think the, other, and back to a previous comment, you know, and again, I, I just, I want to make sure this is balanced because I know the focus is kingdom in business, but I think there needs to be that business element in kingdom. Mm. The, one of the most tragic things that I've seen, and I just speak to your audience and, and those that are maybe in, in a kingdom first world, and they may be thinking, okay, how can I influence the business? I want to speak to you and say, there's business People that are out there that should be influencing you, not contravening or compromising your kingdom mm. approach. But I see so many pastors and leaders of ministries who are trying to who get a vision from the Lord. They get uh, you know a, a direction on where they should go, and they and then they then have to pivot and say, okay, I need a hundred thousand dollars to achieve this. How can we raise money, generate this, you know, et cetera, et cetera, to achieve that goal. And in fact, to me, the model that needs to be in place is that when the the senior spiritual person or spiritual leader gets the vision from the Lord and hears from the Lord and gets the vision and the plan and how and where they should go, that spiritual person should then turn and talk to the business leaders in the ministry and say, here's what the Lord has said. Here's where I believe we should go. And then the people with the business heart should be in a position to say, that is so great to hear that. We are with you. We concur with that. And they're not lording over the spiritual person, but the business people say, you know what? We have been preparing for this moment. We've been investing. We've been generating business. We've been income. We've been doing this and that and the other. We have $100,000 that's been sitting in the bank for six months waiting for the Lord to speak to you or you to hear the Lord. We're ready. Let's do it now. Mm-hmm. Because when the word hits, it's like manna. Manna is only good for the day. So when that word comes, it's like manna. Mm-hmm. And so, boom, the business side of that ministry ought to be equally prepared and ready for that moment when the Lord speaks. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I just, it's just it's so passionate for me that I'm I, I could go crazy on you, but I'll, yeah. I'll pause.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, I I agree hundred percent. It's when God speaks, whether whether you're in ministry or in business, He's provided a way to go. And sometimes getting getting out there and talking about it and putting it out there is uh, business is not. I always say business is not just a kingdom money laundering um, thing. It's not to it's, a, it's not to bring money from. <laughs> a good Mark, way I like evil that marketplace into the into the church it's but it, it there's practical strategy thinking and strategic thinking and funds and and the way the way the marketplace thinks and the way entrepreneurs think is needed in the in the church and also the way a pastor thinks about his people and a pastor thinks about um, loving and caring for and shepherding his flock that also ought to be in in the business community so it goes both ways i think i think you're 100% right on it I've always said, Abraham yeah. had a household of over 300 men before he had any kids. So a, as a business owner, we should take a note at that and say, all right, maybe these people in my house, maybe these people in my business and that I do have influence over should should have be a little bit closer than just an arm's length um, business associates or employees that work for me, but they don't really know me and I don't know them.
0: Yeah, that's so good. You know, I think when you're talking and thinking about you know, the story of the sons of Issachar and it became really trendy about eight or nine years ago. And it was, you know, a lot of people were talking about it Mm -hmm. for me. I mean, I mean, you know, the story of sons of Issachar, right. I mean, they were least experienced, least trained. They had the smallest group of people that they were representing. They were from a worldly perspective, they were in deficit compared to the other, you know, groups of people that were gathering, but what did? But we know what the scripture says about them. They understood the times and they knew what to do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, because of those things, what did they have that the others didn't have? They had influence.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: had influence. And so I'm, I'm just starting um, a look because you don't hear a lot about him. But when you think of the culture of influence. And that may be, I may have just tripped over kind of the little title of what I'm putting together, but the culture of influence. You have the sons of Issachar, which are great, but I would love to know more about what culture did they grow up in mm-hmm. that allowed them to cultivate that perspective? Yeah. And so I want to know about their daddy. Who are the, what's, who's the father of the sons? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's that's kind of my latest trend or my latest kind of focus. Like, who was the father of those boys? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so so but it's but it's influence.
1: Yeah.
0: Look at our political system. I mean, we would go all kinds of different topics. I won't I won't rabbit trail, although I usually tend have a tendency to do that. You know, it's it's influence in business. It's influence in the kingdom. It's influence, and it's but it has to be in the right context.
2: Yeah, I love that. That's everything this podcast is about. Is is Ultimately, it's about influencing our cities, our communities, and our culture, nudging everybody a little bit closer to God, a little bit closer to the Father's heart, and creating an atmosphere around us that reflects His heart so that people can experience Him, experience His love, experience the power of Him, and ultimately be introduced to His family. So I love that. If if you yeah. would, go ahead and close us out in prayer and just pray for anybody listening and pray for... Lord, put something on your heart. Go ahead and do that. And if you have any last words, you could give those as well.
0: Yeah, love to. Thank you. So, so the Holy Spirit, we just thank you for your involvement in our life in all aspects of our life. And so, I just bless those different areas where we think that it's an oil and water experience, and that I do this, but then I do that. When in fact, it's really about. Um, bringing that together, and so, so I just bless that. If it, um, and just you know, just now as I'm praying, if there's you know someone out there thinking that I don't know if I should go left or go right, I just Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just speak to them and that you would give them direction and discernment, and that they would see their identity and they could could just get a glimpse of how you see them, that they wouldn't put the focus on left or right, but they would put the focus on their identity in you. And as that would manifest, become more real to them and more tangible just in their mind, the, the decision of left and right would be insignificant. It wouldn't be the focus and the, it, the, it would just occur, but they would know their identity and know you. And so, so if that's you out there, I just bless you. I just, I just ask them, and the Lord to speak to you. And that encourage you to find your identity, whether you're in kingdom or business or torn between the two. I just bless that. I just, I just want to repeat that. I just, I just bless that. Mm. And so for businesses out there, business owners, I just bless you and I, I encourage you to ask the Lord where you have favor and what your calling is and where your purposes are focused at. And then once you get to that point, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would bring the right people and the divine relationships around them. And in some cases, those individuals are already inside the business and that you would just shine a light on them and manifest them and grow them up and make those business leaders aware of that and that you would create that relationship.
2: Amen. Thank you, Brian.
0: Yeah, David, great to be with you. Loved it.
2: Yeah. Thanks for coming on. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute, hold on. I want to make sure you heard that right. You are Christ in business. You have been adopted into the royal household of God. You are heirs to God and co-heirs with Christ. You've been raised up with Christ. You've been seated in heaven, and you are called the body of Christ, the fullness of God. This is who God says we are. And if we're God's sons or daughters in business, we don't let the world set the standard for what God's kids do in business. No, we partner with God. We profit with a purpose, and we go beyond world-class to build a kingdom-class company. We are Christ in Business. And I want to encourage you to join us right now as we march the name of Christ to the top of the business mountain, give Jesus his full reward, and show the world we are his disciples. Here's a few ways you can do that. First, share this podcast with someone you know who is Christ in Business. Second, subscribe and leave a review in this podcast app because that helps this podcast get found. And third, join the I Am Christ in Business Facebook group by going to thedavidrobertson.com slash group.